I shared a video of Tim Pools on Facebook about how people prefer being unemployed because under the CARES Act, they are actually being paid more than they were while working. And they are now asking if, after the lockdown is lifted, they can refuse to return to work. Because after all, why would they? They're being paid more not to work. My aunt then asked how the hell we're going to pay for all of this, and I replied with the uh, the Federal Reserve money printer go brrr meme that has Chica from Love is War dancing in front of it. I thought I'd go ahead and briefly uh, try to explain why this is bad, but after I've done that, I want to address something else that I was thinking about, which is how we got here and the harmful parallels between Keynesian economics and socialism or communism. As I understand it, the Federal Reserve Bank is just printing money and printing in in quotes, I guess I should say, um, because they're not literally printing money, but they're doing it via a method called quantitative easing, by which they essentially create money to be flooded into the economy by purchasing treasury bonds and just increasing the bank's balances. The purchase and selling of treasury bonds in order to inflate or deflate the currency is actually a normal function performed by the Federal Reserve Bank, but normally to do that, they would reduce or add to the balance they held on reserve. But quantitative easing is different in that they are not purchasing treasury bonds with money they currently hold in reserve. They are literally creating money by adding to banks' balances without reducing the balance of their reserves, which causes an even greater inflation. Inflation means that the cost of everything will increase in the future, of course, which means that future generations will pay for it through reduced purchasing power of the dollar. But aside from that, inflation also means that the value of savings decreases. If, uh, if you have $100,000 in savings and the value of the dollar decreases by 8% per year, and I, I'm, I'm just going to ignore interest rates because I'm only using this as example purposes to, to show how devastating an 8% per year inflation rate would be. But then after 10 years, the value of that $100,000 would be cut to 43438 so it would be cut by more than half. Um, inflation also increases the value of loans for the debtors, because using the same math, if you had a loan that would be for $100,000, well, the maturity would be at $100,000 in 10 years, so it might not you might not have gotten... $100,000, but by the time you've paid it off, you know, it's, you, you'd have paid $100,000 after 10 years. Um, and the value of the dollar is decreasing by 8% per year. Then the value of that loan is cut by over half. So in essence, because the value of the dollar is much less in the 10 years that you've had to pay, you're in essence paying much less back on the loan due to inflation. This is why this is why loans factor inflation in to the interest rates. Um, 
So in essence, inflation reduces the amount a debtor has to pay back. Uh, depending on the APR of the loan, then the investor who initially bought the security may either have to take a hit on their expected return, or they might sell the security with the hope of at least retaining some of the value that they initially hoped to earn in purchasing that security. Uh, in other words, the government is attempting to pay for all of this by not paying for it and letting the economy take the hit in the future. And the people that will be punished most to achieve this uh, spending are people who've made the decision to defer gratification. People that, you know, decided to invest or save. Now, I'd like to focus on how I think we got here. And that is through a harmful parallel between Keynesian economics and socialism. We've long been engaged in Keynesian economic policy, and even Republicans who claim to support supply-side economics regularly engage in Keynesian policy. Sadly, people in my generation, 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 sorry, that is millennials, have been sold the harmful idea that it is consumption, not production, which grows the economy. This is the reason that uh, that we have people willing to completely demolish our productive capacities, whether it's through taxation, regulation, government lockdowns, or quantitative easing, because in their mind, so long as people are spending money, the economy will not only thrive, but will grow. This is a harmful view that both Keynesians and socialists hold, which is the complete denial of Say's law. Many people misinterpret Say's law because it is often shortened to the simple phrase that supply creates demand or supply creates its own demand, which some people think means that if you are producing something, then by the act of production, the demand for it will surely follow by the mere existence of the good. It's often questioned whether Jean-Baptiste Say ever really articulated anything like that phrase, but the general principle of the law is attributed to him, and the proper interpretation of the law, put in very simple terms, is that one must first produce in order to consume, and thus supply creates demand, as you must either produce something in order to consume it, or it is a prerequisite that you have something to exchange in order to engage in voluntary exchange for a good you mean to consume. Because both Keynesians and socialists deny that production is a prerequisite of consumption, they think that one can consume in order to drive production. This is demand-side economics, and it's the driving force of much of our modern economy, the view that so long as we are buying and consuming, the economy will grow, and also tends to villainize those who would delay gratification in favor of savings or investment, which create more capital investment and thus capital goods, with which increase production. Uh, to see the flaw of demand-side economics, you need only imagine two cities, one in which all expendable income is devoted to consumption and there is no investment in capital goods to increase production. 
and another in which all expendable income is invested in capital goods that would increase their productive capacities. The city in which consumption was the priority would surely experience constant shortages, as their productive capacity would never be able to meet the excess demand. The city that's constantly investing in production would be one in which people would be living frugally, and there'd be an incredible abundance of goods, such that a frugal standard of living would be constantly increasing as the surplus production has to decrease uh, has to decrease in prices as the demand of that demands of that society are constantly less than their ability to supply. The demand-side mentality is the kind that has created burgeoning service industries and low-skilled jobs in America, because the mentality is that you live only to consume. It is a purposeless life of constant material satisfaction, whereas the supply-side mentality is one that pushes the individual to constantly pursue purpose and discover what they can provide for society. It doesn't really matter if they're doing it all for profit, by the way. A lot of people will go, oh, it's for profits, but that really doesn't matter. Especially once you understand what profits are, but I'm not going to get into that here. Um, Keynesians and socialists also share a view that disregards the broken window fallacy of economics. The broken window fallacy is a fallacy that destruction can stimulate an economy. This is illustrated by the story that if a child throws a brick through a window, then the owner of the window will have to buy a new one, and thus stimulate the economy. There are several things wrong here. First, value was lost when the window was destroyed, so value was not added by its destruction. Let's suppose the window was valued at $300, and to install a new window costs $1,000 with labor. The owner of the window has, in fact, lost 1300 in value because he lost the window he previously owned, as well as the $1,000 that he might have spent on a new suit, a new TV, or perhaps invested. The point is, you don't know what he would have done with that $1,000 had he not been put into a position where he had to use it to replace something he already owned. Keynesians regularly viewed the destruction of war as beneficial for economies, but that's not the only way in which they commit the broken window fallacy. The view that value can be created through taxation is essentially a broken window fallacy, and Keynesians regularly view the government taking value from someone in order to give to someone else as creating value, and taking in order to give to someone else is the same as a broken window fallacy. All of this is at the root of the problems we're facing economically worldwide, as people regularly view consumption as the most important driving economic factor, and disregard the cost of stimulating present consumption to the future as creating value. Despite not being a truly socialist economy, we are socialist in many ways, as the government can and does exercise force in every aspect of the economy. The Keynesian, demand-side mentality will eventually lead to the same economic collapse that socialist countries like Venezuela face. Uh, 
I guess that's all I wanted to say for now. Uh, catch you later.